0: welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen,
1: and I'm James Carey.
0: And uh, today, this episode, we are going to be uh, looking at a lot of the competitions that are around at the moment, and some, some of the uh, instructions and how to follow them. But we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the Golden Simpson Bursary and other things. But um, the, our main part of the episode is going to be part two of the uh, Pixar 22 rules of uh, comedy writing. So we'll we'll get to that.
1: Well, yes, uh, or storytelling story in particular, but it's more that we're sort of, what, what can we learn from the basically bulletproof system that Pixar seem to have? You don't, you don't really want to argue with Pixar, I think. Not if really. Pixar
0: say, this is how you do it, then you do it that yeah. way. But, uh, yeah, uh, with um,
1: and also th- there are differences in terms of writing a half-hour comedy to writing a 90-minute Movie, but again, True. it that's but anything that gets us thinking about how to write sitcoms better is got to be all good. So yeah, to kick off the the kind of the dispatches as it were, the first thing to mention is the fact that you probably know by now that we have a Patreon scheme, and I'm just going to mention it before we mention a whole load of other stuff, which is not our Patreon scheme. But I thought I get it in early. So if you join us on Patreon for um, for not very much at all, go and have a look, Sitcom Geeks uh, Patreon. If you Google that, you'll find it and you will enter a community of people who are all trying to write better scripts, uh, learn from each other, learn from us, loads of extra audio and uh, loads of extra little podcast bits and moments and plus an audio version of my book and loads of other things besides um, and also access to a um, a facebook group uh, a private facebook group where people just generally uh, chat about stuff and so we recommend that so there are links in the show notes to that i hope um, and uh, go and look for that we have a facebook a regular facebook page too we're also on twitter at sitcom geeks but join us on patreon uh, and we'll there's lots more for you there but the other thing to say to that is our our podcast is hosted by uh, BCG, the British Comedy Guide, and so uh, we have an offer, uh, or they have an offer. For, yeah. for listeners don't they Dave tell us about that
0: they do yes they uh, comedy.co.uk uh, is the uh, the website address that's uh, probably the one that you you know them by uh, but they have this scheme it's been running for a while now but it's 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 got a lot of things uh, added to it now the the bcg uh, pro uh, side of, of 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 the uh guide and um if you join that actually uh, you can Get five pounds off uh, joining that uh, if you put in the membership code when you're joining. If you put the name sitcom sitcom geeks, uh, all one word, capital S, capital G. So it's worth joining from that point of view. You get five pounds off, but they also they do uh, a lot of exclusive uh, competitions. Uh, they've got their own uh, competition that they're running at the moment for writers. And in fact, we did uh, a, a competition with them uh, last year. Uh, the the ten page script challenge, which will, will t- mm. turn out to be very popular. Um, and they've also they have their own uh, talent awards. Um, the deadline for them are this is, is the end of July. Um, you can uh, you send in two sketch ideas, two sketches, um, and you get the prizes include having your sketch made. Uh, and uh, a placement on a show for the overall uh winner um which um, um de- details to be confirmed they were all set to kind of sort that out but then something called lockdown happened so we're not sure but they're, they're definitely uh you know it's a prize uh, w- worth having so uh they have those uh, competitions and and I think they are exclusive to people who are members of BCG Pro
1: yeah, um, so there's loads of um, stuff that they've got on there in terms of workshops, classes, information, and in a way, sitcom geeks. We're all about getting you to write the best script you can, and uh, and that using that script as a calling card, and just getting you to base camp there. Um, but we don't do loads of industry extra stuff, and you know all that kind of business. So BCG Pro are well worth uh, having a look for for the, a window onto that wider wider comedy world um, as it were and also um, you know non-sitcom stuff as well but there's also another thing called the yellow door script call from bcg pro the first round deadline for that is the 12th of june 2020 so that's coming up quite soon and what they're after is uh, three scenes and the three winners will have a chance to have their final script option by lucy lumsden who used to be the head of comedy at the bbc she now runs yellow door productions and um, then it gets pitched uh, to channels So Right. I don't think, you know, it's, no one's going to make any rash promises, but it's, it's a really good uh, way in. And what you need to do is send them a complete story in three scenes. So that's really economic storytelling, maximum of 10 pages. The story can be as simple or as ambitious as you like, but either way, it needs to have a beginning, a middle and an end across the three scenes and make us laugh. I think that is not an unreasonable request uh, for a comedy uh, script competition. So that's on BCG Pro as well. The Yellow Door Script Call, do look for details for that. And um, the first round deadline for that is the 12th of June. So uh, there's that. And then there's the sitcom mission. Uh, yeah. Which Dave, you know a bit about. Tell us what is the Sitcom Mission?
0: Yeah, the Sitcom Mission been running for years. I think it was uh, not didn't run last year, but it's it, it's uh, a regular competition that's that's uh, where you send in a fifteen minute script, and uh, the, the, the 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 prize is that so your your uh, script gets um, uh, performed live um, in front of an audience. Uh, yes, by decent again, actors.
1: That, you know, it just yeah, means that you get actors. your. The show gets up on its feet, and you actually hear it, and it's—it's. It's, I think yeah. that's a really good prize, um, and we've got Patreon, one or two Patreon members who've got got to the final of that, and I know that they found that that read through stuff, mm. uh, you know, really helpful.
0: And the, uh, and. Um the winners have gone on to, you know, get get um, pilots commissioned uh, by some sort of big companies like Hat Trick, for instance. So it is uh, worth entering. Um, I'm not sure yet, as nobody is sure to any extent about anything about what the live uh, performance situation will be. Uh, but I know that the the uh, the deadline I think for the scripts is July. So the scripts have to be about fifteen minutes long, and uh, in fact, one of our uh Patreon members asked us uh a question which i think is quite quite a quite a reasonable question is that if you're writing a fifteen minute uh sitcom should you have a, a B plot as well as an a plot and um that's a that, you know it's a it is a good question, question. Mm. yeah if uh, i i uh i sort of answered that but then I also got in touch with the sitcom mission uh people and asked them what 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 they had to say about that um, and Simon Wright, who's one half of sitcom mission, he said that, you know, a simple a simple linear plot can feel a little thin to readers and viewers used to the intricate plotting of something like Modern Family, which uh, if you don't watch Modern Family, 22 minutes long, they can have sometimes have four or five uh, subplots. Um, mm. So, as Simon said, much older sitcoms tend to have just an A-plot um later ones an a b and a c so if you give us just one plot it can make your work feel a bit dated uh, i would suggest if you are i would suggest that you do a, a b plot in your 15 minute script but make it short and punchy uh you know three little three little visits at the most with a big punchline laugh as your third visit at the end it only needs to take up two minutes of screen time, and that's already you know quite a lot in a 15 minutes uh, script. So that, that would be what I would add to what Simon said on that. Have you got anything to, to add to that, James?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it is a tall order. Bear in mind that American scripts are sometimes only 22 minutes, and you can get an awful lot in. So I think probably less is more. But I think you can. I think just one linear plot probably isn't quite enough, and it may be your B plot is essentially a running joke or something. But um, yeah, I, th- I think yeah. But also, it just depends on the script of the characters, uh, the situation. So there are no hard and fast rules, and and the one that wins will probably be one that has no subplot at all. Uh, but- you know what I mean? It's just like it's you know, the, 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 these rules exist, and then the people who finally you know. Finally, uh, scoop the prize as it were, break all the rules, but they break them in the right way, and it's funny. And funniest wins, you know. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so uh, so yeah. So there's that. Um, where where can people find details of the Sitcom Commission? We'll put links in the show notes.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Sitcom Commission is uh in, in LinkedIn with 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 the British Comedy Guide, but it, but it, uh. Or it was, but even if it isn't now, if you just uh, Google sitcom mission, Mm. uh, you will find uh, all the answers to your questions. They also have a Twitter
1: handle, at mission. I've just found uh, as well. So, um, and I think that might be also something to do with the comedy crowd as well. So they're another bunch who are uh, trying to get uh, get stuff going. So the other... um, thing to announce in our parish notices is uh, a a fairly big deal really the BBC decided to do a a thing called the Galton and uh, Simpson Bursary which is a a comedy writing competition but in a way it's just a way of opening the doors out to to people and to new voices and uh, the prize in is essentially a bit of development uh, a bit of money uh, five and a half grand uh, with a Uh, our one final award winner will have their script developed for broadcast consideration with advice and input from leading industry practitioners so in a way it's it's the BBC looking for for stuff that might become a show so the BBC writers room is looking for new voices and new writers to develop whereas with this they are actually looking for a show and so this is, this is your chance. And what you need to submit is a sample comedy sitcom script of 30 pages maximum. It says 30 pages, 30 minutes maximum. But, um, uh, th- th- but I would just, they, they say they, they don't want scripts of longer than 30 pages. Do not send them more than 30 pages. And uh, they also want a series development plan. Dave, what is that?
0: Uh, that's a very good question, uh, and um, it's not something that I've seen that the BBC have asked for before, but I think uh, 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 as well as that, they're asking for a, a, a one-page biography slash statement, uh, and and I don't think I've, they've seen th- those asked for before. Um, I think for uh, if you're still working on the script i mean you've only got two weeks to go and so you've presumably done quite a lot of work on your script already um but it's definitely a series development plan is is something that even if you're not actually doing it when you're coming up with a script you should be thinking about uh and i guess really what they're looking for is uh, you know is this a character uh, or a couple of characters that I'm interested in enough to want to see. Uh, I want to come back and find out more about them. I want to see them uh, try and fail uh, each week in a different way. Uh, it's, in the last two years, I think, the, in addition, uh, now that we're talking more about comedy drama and uh, narrative and um even though there is this contradiction that um, comedy characters never learn from their mistakes, whereas drama characters learn from their mistakes, (laughs) and so square that circle, comedy writer. Um, Mm. So that's what they're kind of... uh, uh, If they can see that this is more than just a bunch of people in a place, uh, it's a bunch of people who something is going to happen to and something is going to develop, they're still these people aren't necessarily going to learn and again mm. we've talked about you know people in families who who do learn in each episode and they learn enough to say sorry at the end of the episode but they haven't quite learned enough so that when we come back next week they're going to make the same mistake which is kind of what we are all like yeah. really isn't it you know we all yeah. we all do that so yeah. we, that that's a kind of way but that uh, of uh, Making sure that you have a character who isn't just like a one episode yeah. wonder, really. Yeah, so and I, I think... have
1: read. I've read a number of scripts in the last uh, few few weeks and months where you think, where I think, Dave, you've mentioned before how the plot and the story are not quite the same, but we're treated as the same. So the setup episode, once it's sort of set up, you think I have no idea what future episodes of this will be, because it feels like the the characters only goal has been achieved in some way. So what you need to do is establish a, a sort of an uber goal for your character and make sure that all six episodes have got a mini version of that goal or an achievable bit of it or at least that they think it's achievable in in that uh, in that way. So it, you probably only want a paragraph on each story and you don't need to flesh it out and develop it but you just need to demonstrate you know, you want it to be an exciting read. You want to go, oh, that will be good. And oh, that's exciting. And oh, I can totally see that. Um, So you want to build a bit of confidence. So the other thing to say is that if you have a script that's nearly ready, the deadline is very soon. If you go back and listen to episode 111, which is easy to remember, episode 111 is called Polishing Your Script. And in this, um, we go through uh, a few last minute, Pre-flight checks before you before you launch it and send it off. So I would uh, have a listen to that one, and I've written one or two episodes on my blog uh, a few years ago as well, uh, which which might be worth uh, having a look at too. So um, if you have a go, if you have a sort of a, a flick around uh, on my blog, the latest. So if you go to uh, sitcomgeek singular sitcomgeek I write there's thing called five mistakes in the first 10 pages of your sitcom script so there are five ways in which you can kind of get it wrong but there's also a version there's also a blog on the right hand side under uh, most popular posts called polishing your script which right. I, is the list I go through in episode 111 really
0: okay. so that would
1: be a good place to good place to have a look um, so yeah that's uh, another competition the yeah. golden simpson awards I would just add the last thing I would say about
0: that the, the, the short one page biography uh, statement is that uh, this is, I would say, is the last thing that you write because you know you really want this uh, to, to, to jump out the page and you don't you know you, you, whatever however whatever size you type it in, uh, let's say you're looking to something that's between about three and four hundred words, you want to be able to say in three or four hundred words, what your show is about, who the show is about, why is it funny, how are we gonna uh, imagine this show is going to uh, uh, develop, and if you've if you've got a couple of jokes that can go in there as well, then that's great. So mm. um, you know you really, but that that's something you really have to uh, put a lot of effort into. I would say beyond beyond just writing a funny script, a, no. a, a one page that jumps out will you know kind of attract their attention
1: yeah but having said that a really funny script will really really stand out especially one that gets going in the first 10 pages rather than having the first thing actually happen on page 10 uh, which which is the problem with I would say uh, 80% of the scripts uh, that we that we read or come across (laughs) So um, we're going to get to the, finally we get to the meat of the episode after the parish notices uh, have now finished and we're going to just hack through rules 12 to 22 of a list of 22 rules of storytelling according to Pixar. This was um, from storyboard artist Emma Coates who has compiled nuggets of narrative wisdom she's received uh, working for uh, Pixar over the years. Um, so hopefully uh, there are some things uh, here that we can learn from, and uh, shall I kick off with number yes, number twelve?
0: N- number twelve. That's uh, that's very much a James uh, rule, I think.
1: Oh yes, uh, I mentioned I'll this let the you other day.
0: Start. Yeah. Yes. Mm.
1: Discount the first thing that comes to mind, and the second, third, fourth, and fifth. Get the obvious out of the way. Surprise yourself, and I think this came up. So we've we've got an interview with um, uh, Rufus jones who writes uh who wrote the first um two series of home and uh, patreon subscribers will be getting hold of that episode very very quickly and it will appear on the main feed uh oh, in a, it's a, in a great month or two. episode really good and goodness me what a nice man but everybody's every as nice as you would hope he would be but um it came up in that i think where i said it was actually advice from giles Corran that his father alan Corran had given him which is don't write the first or the second or the third thing, but write the fourth or the fifth. Because everyone will think of the first. The man in the street will think of the first. Your your rivals and competitors might come up with the second or the third, but you need to go to the fourth. So, um, and I, I do worry that sometimes when people, when I, when I read uh, scripts, you feel that a lot of characters are the first character they thought of to fill that gap. So if you've got um, a particular situation that's, I don't know, it's set in a bakery and there, you know, there's the guy in charge, there's uh, uh, his wife and maybe his wife is really in charge. And you've got two people that work at the bakery and one is the dozy son and one is, and I'm literally just making this up at the top of my head. And one is um, a, a girl, Yeah, you know, whatever. But it just, sometimes you feel like they settled on those characters very, very quickly and they don't really have anything to say. So I think it's really good advice that you just need to just give it 10 more minutes, give it and then take a break and then give it 10 more minutes and yeah. then sleep on it and then have another go at it and just work out, you know, what, uh, you know, what is a less obvious way forward for this character or this idea or this story.
0: How many times have I looked at a story on uh, Twitter and thought that this is a joke. Everyone will do. And you type in the words, keywords, and you'll see 10 people have done that joke. Oh, really? And, okay, here's an idea. Maybe what about this? And I'll type that and maybe two people have already done that joke. Okay, I can't do that. So, so that's, a, that's another good way if you're trying to come up with jokes or if you're just writing topical jokes or just, just as an exercise, really. Uh, as, as it says, uh, surprise yourself. Mm. So uh, shall we go to, on to the next one? Yes, we can, because we need to keep things moving. Go for yeah, it. N- number 13, give your characters opinions. Uh, passive stroke malleable might seem likeable to you as you write, but it's poison
1: to the audience. And uh, I Whoa, think that's poison, a- that's really a really strong <laughs> way of putting it. But it, it is true, <laughs> yeah. but goodness yeah. me, that is a strong way of putting it.
0: It is, I think, and, and it's something that I... Uh, Mentioned before, and I think it's a it's a it's a really lovely thing. Is, as 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 an exercise that you do for your characters, uh, is you know ask yourself if, what newspaper uh, do they read? And it seems like a simple thing to say, but there's a there's this uh, brilliant scene in uh, Last Tango in Halifax shortly after the sort of the the, the couple who are the main uh, characters, um, Anna Reed and uh, Derek Jacobi. I forget the, the names of the characters, but uh these are they, they, these were friends who who when they were in their twenties and went their separate ways and they'd met up again in their seventies and it's a sort ro- of romance uh which, and it's it's great fantastic show uh but very early on we discover that you know he's a bit of a bit of a lefty he's a bit of a guardian reader she's a, a daily mail reader and they get into their in church just, just chatting about something they just get into a petty little bickering thing they're still very much in love but they kind of almost split up yeah as they find out you know kind of uh that that, that on politics they have sort of different views and uh it's it's something that I thought oh that's this is just a kind of writer's exercise that Sally Wainwright who's a brilliant writer has done but actually she's got beautiful solid gold scene out of it and that's mm. just out of the like, oh, he reads the guardian she reads the mail uh that's all you need to know about these two characters um so it's a good you know that that, that, that is a good exercise to try especially if you've got two two characters
1: uh, yeah. together. and i think one thing i I when i read outlines um but well, this is a particularly problem in kids shows i've seen i don't know why when i've read outlines for kids shows but you 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 read an outline where the character, where the character description is, this person um, is is dynamic and exciting. They don't suffer fools gladly, but they they also know how to listen, and they're not afraid to sometimes uh, do this, and and yet they're also spontaneous. And you just read this list, and you just think, I have no idea who this person is, and he is in every a way,
0: man stroke
1: woman. Well, yes, he's sort of everyone and no one, <laughs> yeah. and. In a way, I, I, mem- I remember listening, there's a, a comedian uh, called uh, John Archer, who's a mate who writes a lot with uh, Tim Vine as well and tours with him. He's a magician. who managed to put one past Penn & Teller, actually, on, on that big ITV show. And I remember, I think he was doing some kind of psychological trick uh, where he reads out a long description of a person and then asks everybody to put their hand up uh, if you think that applies to you and everyone, you know, shut your eyes, put it up if you think it applies to you, and you open your eyes, and 75% of the room said it was them, even though it sounded incredibly specific. And therefore, in a way, we are a bag of contradictions, and but we're, we're not really, and we do all have different desires, and, uh, and, and wants, and needs, and neuroses. Um, so I think people hedge their bets a bit with these characters, And actually, you just need to make sure that they have uh, opinions and are heading uh, in a particular uh, direction. So uh, it is poison to the audience. Quite often, if I may say, the person with the least um, distinctive character is clearly the voice of the writer. So, again, read lots of scripts where somebody shows up on their first day to work at the bakery and they're basically introduced to everybody and react to them and And they don't actually have anything to do until page fifteen, and even then it's not very much and you think oh this is this is the this is the eye of the story. who doesn't actually have any strong opinions on anything. that's actually a waste of a character um
0: and that is something
1: that i I
0: notice a lot with people when you're starting out and and it's a it's a natural thing to do it's uh you sort of think about a place that you've worked or something or uh, a group of people that you've known and you think, wow, these are, you know, this were the craziest bunch of people that I ever worked with. I'm going to try and actually, uh, you know, write about it. And you do, but in the process of uh, doing that, you kind of, you, you, you give everything good to uh, all the other characters and you're left with this person who you thought was gonna be the main character, which mm. is you, uh, and they are nothing. And that's the kind of that's you have to be um you know, this is the thing that I talk about to people now is about the permission to lie you know be prepared to lie about yourself and, and make sure if you are in this uh you have to have something as well and if it's not something that was there at the time uh that doesn't matter because you're this is a um, this is fiction it's not a documentary so yeah uh, that's,
1: and that's people do lie about. and people frequently say the opposite of what they mean people frequently um change you know uh, sort of express themselves either unclearly or irrationally so um i think less literal the only other the the only exception i was thinking can i think of a of a lead character who is a bit of an everyman the obvious example that came to mind was michael bluth from arrested development but actually michael's character placed by jason bateman surrounded by truly awful members of his family is he is the glue that holds them together because he's actually too nice. And actually, he should tell all of his family to go jump in the lake. And he should drive, you know, he he should literally get in a car and drive off. He doesn't have a car. He's got one of those um, ramps that you use to drive people up to the side of an aeroplane. Um, so he's, he's too nice. You know, that's his problem. He has a flaw. But quite often you get characters who kind of neither one thing nor the other. You must extinguish all of those characters with extreme prejudice. Mm. And that's the
0: other thing that I say is uh, your character should always be, uh, the, the, your main character should be the architect of their own demise. Mm. That's the thing about not being passive is like, oh, this yeah. has happened. I'm going to do this. And you do yeah. it and it causes problems. Oh, I'm going to have to do yeah. this now, and so it's all—it's yeah. always about the character, the decisions that the character yeah. makes, and it's very hard if you've yeah. got a a, an, a, a, a a blank slate of a character. It's very hard for them to suddenly become decisive about things. So yeah, mm. make them make yeah. them, even if they're wrong, and especially if they're wrong, you know, make them—they are
1: wrong. They're sitcom it. characters. They're wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, number. Uh, What's it? Fourteen. Why must you tell this story? What's the burning belief within you that your story feeds off of? That's the heart of it. Uh, I think that's really well worth thinking. So obviously Pixar don't make many movies and when they do, they cost millions of pounds. So they need to be really, really, really sure that there is something in it. But actually a sitcom costs millions of pounds to make. Each individual episode may feel like it's trivial in and of itself, but it, it isn't. And each each story needs to be kind of emblematic of the big story that you're trying to tell. So what is the big story you're trying to tell? Um, and again, there's always this danger that you think I've got a funny situation. I'd like to be a sitcom writer and I'm going to be, and I'm going to write a script and I don't understand why I'm not getting very far. Um, and I think you just need to be aware that these sitcoms are a big deal they're expensive they're a piece of they're a piece of business they need to have a reason to exist um so i think you need to make sure that you do know what is your show really really about and that is episode one of sitcom Geeks. nearly five years ago isn't it what's your show about what's it really about
0: yeah, and um, we do go on about this, and 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 we do get people coming back saying, well, what 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 do you mean by that? Because uh, it isn't uh, you know, it isn't just like a simple uh, box ticking thing. It's about it's about you and what you've been through and what your what your voice is. and In fact, I've just written today a little thing for uh, people for the Golden and Simpson thing about about you know what is your comedy voice? What was Golden Simpson's voice? And it's a very, you know, it's a very distinctive thing that it's made up of all of your, uh, your life really, everything that's happened to you, the people around you, um, the decisions you've made, the things that you like, the music that you keep coming back to. You know, it's it's all it's all those things, and then, and then it's taking something that's probably ideally is a little bit familiar, so that people aren't just completely thrown into something new. But it's it's you. The, the, the best, the most successful shows are usually something that has something that's a bit familiar, but then brings something new to it. Uh, and so that's that's the thing. what are you, What is the new thing that you are bringing to, to mm. everything else that nobody has seen before, nobody has thought of before? And obviously that's a very, very hard thing to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's true, and I, I think... It's easy to see writing as a hobby and um an actual fact you are trying to write stuff that is is going to is, mat- is going to matter and I think the Galton and Simpson uh, bursary is particularly it's worth bearing in mind that you're not mucking about you are pitching a show to the television for them to make and spend millions of pounds on making and you are competing against hundreds and thousands of other people And in order to get that show onto BBC Two or Channel Four, not Channel Four, they won't make it. Well, they could do, BBC Studios could make it for Channel Four, I suppose, they can do that now. But, you know, you're competing against Paul Whitehouse and you're competing against uh, Simon Nye, you're competing against Richard Curtis. So you better have a pretty clear idea of what your show is about. Because if it's just a bunch of people in a room trading one-liners, or if it's a series of calamities, um, you know, Miranda isn't just a series of calamities. It is about a relationship between a mother and her daughter, um, that hadn't really been done, uh, in any recognizable way before in a mainstream, uh, way like that. And Miranda knew exactly that's what her show, uh, was really about even subconsciously. So, you know, every, every show's got a bit, got to have a bit of a secret source and, it needs to be linked to something that you you sort of want to say, or a condition, or a or a debate that won't ever quite go away. Um, you know, it's it's got to be some kind of eternal thing.
0: Yeah, um, and I mean, you're saying Miranda is a new twist, but I mean, it's kind of the the the, the, the story. You know, the 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 parent and child story. Mm. You know, whether you go to to Hamlet or you know, you, you can go back to way back to all sorts of stories yeah. and you know they are about relationship between the child and the parent and that's uh, everything that the story is about mm. um, so yeah so uh, miranda is hamlet <laughs> discuss um, miranda
1: is hamlet discuss great that's yeah. good that's going should put that in the show uh, notes number so, 15 yeah 15 if you were your
0: character in this situation how would you feel honesty lends credibility to unbelievable situations uh, okay so that's kind of a little bit what we've been talking about already but yeah uh, who, what 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 is your what is your point of view really I suppose what are you what what are you bringing to this what is the, the that's the sort of what's it really about uh, and I mean there are I do find there's another problem sometimes with scripts where somebody has got a thing they really want to say you know they've got Mm. they have a point of view um we we discussed this actually with one of the uh one of the scripts that we mentioned in the uh when we had the sort of the big competition uh we Mm. had lots and lots of uh scripts and and you know the the one script that it didn't get or I think it might have just got through to the, the sort of second round, but it was what it had, which none of the other scripts had, was uh, a very, very strong opinions. And it was just about a, a guy who owned a dog. But um, the, the, the the strength of his feeling about mm. what it's like to be a dog owner in certain situations kind of drove drove yeah. that script and gave it something, even though it wasn't there were other things that weren't quite right about it, but that, that that was something that made you go, right, okay, you know, there's a pa- there's a passion to this script that I mm. haven't seen in uh, in the other
1: scripts. Yeah.
0: So I guess that's a little bit of what that, that means, yeah? Yeah, and
1: also I would just add that just, you don't... You know, it says if you were your character, well, you're not any of the characters in your show, but you need to put yourself in the position of all of the characters and make sure that they... F- feel and react honestly to the situation because it it, it is infuriating and it, it you know there are so many ways for a script to go wrong uh which is why you know we're on episode 140 and we've just still not really cracked it have we um that the moment a character does something where you just think they wouldn't do that that doesn't make any sense at all um you, you, you logically that doesn't make any sense or in a murder mystery you go okay you'd call the police i don't believe you wouldn't call the police there um and there's obviously genre you know uh sort of things that work within that but overall i think people think if you're not careful, if it's a sitcom, then people can just make it worse and do ludicrous things. And you go, no, it has to be honest to the character and the situation. And your your skill as a storyteller is you have to shut down options that would be your first, second, third choice um, so that they then do the the most credible of those options is choice number four, which makes it worse. And now they have to do this, which makes it worse. And now they have to do that. Um so you you, you want to be you want to you want the character to react honestly to the situation honestly to their character.
0: I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here, James, because this is something I've been thinking about a lot since uh, we interviewed Rufus, and one of the things that uh, Rufus. Uh, pointed out we, we, we always talk about the comedy shows that we love and what mm. made us uh, get uh, enjoy things and and he made a, a, a very good point which I hadn't thought of before and the, he said that the, as well as the comedy shows that he was watching and loving uh, like Seinfeld in particular he mentioned but he said uh, it was also shows like uh, Breaking Bad um, and mm. The Sopranos, which were quite like serious dramas uh, that had um, that had comic aspects to them. And then I started thinking about that, and I was thinking as well about uh, films by the Coen Brothers, for instance, that are uh, you couldn't really call them comedies, but they have sort of comic uh, conceits about them i think and uh, mm. and you and i have often talked about you know these characters who who a, a character does something and um that the, the, the uh, explanation is well i'm a psychopath or i'm a sociopath or whatever and yeah we, we always find that a bit unsatisfactory but given what rufus is saying given that so much comedy now has been influenced by the likes of sort of breaking bad and the coen brothers and things what do you uh as, as a sort of counter to this pixar uh, thing i'm not 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 me but i'm being a sort of devil's advocate and saying you know well why why should the character have to have that kind of honesty why can't they just be that sort of breaking bad type person
1: well, I mean, I've I've not seen Breaking Bad, but doesn't he basically start selling drugs in order to um, pay for medical expenses? Yeah, yeah. So he does he does a bad thing for good reasons. So I think what you're looking for is to your characters can do anything you want if you give them a strong enough reason to do them, and so I think in a way these these are influential uh, things and ways of telling stories, but you want to use your. Serial killer, psychopath character, extremely sparingly, because they, they they do just make decisions that we can't even empathise with. Um, it is a very rare for someone to be a psychopath, you know. It is like it's, you know single digit percentages, and therefore. And, and even mainstream Marvel movies and everything, they don't have villains anymore. They're always good. They're, they're always people who think they're doing the right thing. There are very few Cruella de Vils who, will, you know, on, and Mon- God, just watch, re-watching The Simpsons with my kids, you know, Montgomery Burns is a proper evil character and you just don't really see people like, characters like that these days. Um, so I think... I think those shows are influential in terms of how far you can push things. But normally, if you look at those, they, they're they always very skillful at taking these characters from a place of normality to a place of, how did I get here? And I think um, an unusual situation, the, there's a lovely moment in a book by Michael Frayne, who I think should have been a sitcom writer, rather than wasting his life writing award-winning novels. Um, And, you know, translating Russian plays. Um, But he he wrote a book called Headlong, which is about a guy who steals a painting from his next door neighbour. And there's a lovely bit where the character sort of suddenly has a level of self-awareness, just like going, I'm stealing a painting that's worth a lot of money. How did I get here? They, you know, they, they'd rationalised it to themselves again and again by saying, "This painting's owned by a jerk who doesn't appreciate it. I appreciate it. I should have it." And they sort of talked themselves into it. And I know in a novel you can see into their minds much, much more clearly. But you just see a very skillful way in which a character justifies doing a really bad thing and gets completely out of their depth. So I think it's just taking those little steps and breaking them down, uh, really. Because, because, otherwise, we just think of the Sopranos in the extremity of it, and Breaking Bad. But the reason they're such skillful, you know, stories is because there's no one weak link in that chain to get you there, is there?
0: Right. Yeah. Would you
1: say? Yeah, I think that's a very uh, that's
0: that's great. And Got uh, out of that I, one. I sprung that on you, and yeah, you, no, it's I fine. Yeah, a yeah, Great yeah. answer. Very yeah. good answer. So uh, that that's a that's a good good point. I shall bear that in mind. Number fifteen there. So let's move on to. Uh, 16 so uh, this is uh, what are the stakes give us reason to root for the character what happens if they don't succeed stack the odds against uh, yep. and uh, we've been talking Bulk about bog standard uh, sitcom advice yeah Goltland Simpson award Goltland Simpson Septo and son I mean every episode of Septo and son that I can remember uh, involves the father and son you know that's that that relationship again uh, the son hating his dad so much that he is going to leave and he is you know yeah, yeah. you get to two thirds of the way through the episode and you think this this 30-something and maybe 40-something single man living with his dad uh is gonna walk out on him he hates mm. his life so much with him he is gonna walk out i really believe he will and i also really know that he won't partly mm. because he's uh, a decent human being deep down but also because he's a bit of a coward mm. and he's scared of moving and uh you know they they, they but they, these are really high stakes every episode you know every ep- yeah. episode, and it's not uh you know it, it, it's believable every time it'll be some very petty thing that 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 yeah. makes it happen, but the characters are so strong yeah. uh, you know we we are invested in them we believe them I mean, we we feel uh Harold's pain i think while mm. also thinking. He's he's just he hasn't got the gumption to do it. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I think um, they skillfully mind that very well. And I think all the classic sitcoms have got that kind of thing. But I think just when we when we apply it to our own scripts, what I think that what happens if they don't succeed, I think is a really key question because sometimes you have a character. It's very easy to set up a character with a quest and if they don't succeed in that quest it's it's only a shame it's not a disaster and i think it's a way of and it's and you can confect uh possibly stakes in terms of if they don't do this then terrible things will happen but ideally you want it to be linked to their own self-esteem life quest is this what they thought so for example in porridge another classic sitcom we've often said on the show the show is about little victories if you the only way to survive um, lockdown in a prison uh, is with these little victories and putting one over on on uh, Mackay in particular, who is the was the overzealous harsh father figure, um, if if it's a, a fake family as it were, and it, and if it means basically stealing a tin of pineapple chunks, then then that's what it takes. And so it's always getting away with it. Um, And you you get a sense that they need to get away with it in order to stay alive, because the moment they give up, they're broken. Um, So I think it's, you know, it's not just finding if they don't, then it's a disaster because other disasters will happen. But I think it's if they don't succeed, a bit of them will die inside Um, and they can't keep, you know. So I think thinking about it in those terms might uh, might help. 17. No work is ever wasted. If it's not working, let go and move on. It'll come back round to be useful later. I, th- yeah. I mean, I think in a way this relates to um, discount the first thing that comes to mind, second, third, fourth and fifth. You might think to yourself, well, I don't want to do all the work for the fourth and fifth if the third one's good enough. And actually think, well, maybe the third one is good enough, but the fourth and fifth one might come in handy in the future. You might discover late that the third one won't work, and now you need the fourth one. Or it may be that you didn't need the fourth one after all. The third one worked. Lucky, lucky you. Um, but I think you know, the the, the script, the 30-page script, is just the tip of an iceberg of work story 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 plot lining character character you know and i i think that's possibly one of the reasons that the scripts um that people are writing are frustrating is because i think people think you know it should be really good after this much preparation and actually the more experienced comedy writers get the more they know how much work it is and so today just as an example of that I've got a seven page outline of a murder mystery, um, which is a sort of possibly um, commissioned uh, script, but I'm not at that stage yet. And I was told that I needed to basically clarify the story in story order rather than explaining the plot of the story and the characters and the story of the week and all that kind of stuff. And actually, I thought what will probably happen if I'm not careful is I'll end up with a 15 page outline. That's just too long and too complicated. So what I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to boil down everything to a page and a half. So I'm really clear on what the story is. So I'm essentially pruning everything back and then I'm going to sort of regrow it again and start to put in the detail that I need. And so I spent four hours doing that this morning, creating a shorter document that I can't use. Um, but I've done it for me because I know that the next proper document I send is really significant um and so it, it just feels like if it's not going to turn into a joke that's going to be in the script then it's a waste of time it isn't it mm. really really isn't I think
0: I remember when we interviewed graeme Linehan uh he was at the point of uh he had was Making a, a yet another pilot for the IT crowd in America, and he was saying that they uh, that, that they asked for exactly that is just like sort of strip away, strip away everything that you normally put into mm. your your work and just uh, the, the 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 teleplay they call it in America, um, so it's literally literally saying you know this this thing is what happens now and and you know you you can. The, the amount of work that you need to put into to, to, to leave stuff out is actually quite an important, uh, yeah, point. And I'm sure you know, and I, I know I've mentioned before here, uh, Gary Delaney, the stand up comedian who you know who uh reckons that he doesn't use 95% of what he writes, so he, he literally you know, he's got, he's got these spreadsheets of his jokes, um, and for every 20 jokes that he writes one joke finds its way into his Mm. uh, live show. So, you know, that's a 95% failure rate for one of the most successful stand-up comedians in the country. Mm. Um, So, you know... And I
1: imagine, yeah, and Milton's joke rate would be the same. Uh, Tim Tim Vine, whatever. I mean, they're writing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jokes. And in the same way, we, you know, sitcom writers, we need to be writing dozens and dozens and dozens of stories... And I, th- and I think, and again, going back to stuff um, about plotting, and people do find plotting very hard, I think one of the reasons is that is people settle for a plot too early. And actually, there are plots that, that almost write themselves, or they feel so fresh that you can't wait to get cracking on them. But you will only come across those plots if you think of 50 plots and then chuck away 40 of them. If you only think of five, you'll pick one, And making that one work could be an awful lot of hassle. And then in the end feel rather hack um, or familiar. Just think of a hundred plots and then come and then 50 will be terrible, but one of them might spark something. Another one might spark something else. And then you've got, and then there'll be one that you just think, wow, that's such a cool idea. Um, And it's not only that it's the plot that really explains what your show is about. Um, so um uh, so yeah so that is it's a lot of work and in a way some work is wasted i would say no work is ever wasted that's not quite true but that is the work isn't it it is pruning it is trimming it is getting stuff down it is simmering it is um and that's what i was doing with my outline today i was actually reducing it reducing it and that's again rufus jones was talking about really reducing the source down i think that was a really good imagery and you can listen to that interview uh, on Patreon uh, very soon. Isn't that exciting? Um, so number eighteen, we're getting there. We'll probably whip through these last ones because we're probably yep. uh, getting out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you read eighteen for us, Dave? Uh, number eighteen: You have to know yourself.
0: Uh, the difference between doing your best and fussing. Story is testing, not refining. Uh, does that mean sorry? You have to. Do you have to know yourself? As in know who you are, or you have to know yourself colon you have to know the difference between doing your best and fussing. Either way, story is testing, not refining. I think that's the crucial uh, point.
1: I still I don't make. quite know what that means. What does that no. mean? Uh, OK, we're pushed for time. We're going to move on. Number 19. <laughs> Sorry,
0: I'm going to cut number 18. It should be the 21 rules of storytelling yes. Pixar. Okay? I'm
1: sure she knows what she means. Um, <laughs> yeah. Coincidences to get characters into trouble are great coincidences to get them out of it are cheating absolutely right you you get per show one possibly two coincidences and they should all be within the first act and if you start leaning on a coincidence um, you can hide one by having a b plot which collides with your a plot or your c plot that collides with your b or a plot so we've sort of seen it coming but it needs to be the fruit of steps that we've seen so it doesn't then feel like a coincidence. But overall, you know, uh, I think, is it measure for measure, which is deemed to be a problem play because it is solved by a massive coincidence at the end when a duke turns up or something?
0: I mean, there's a lot of it in Shakespeare, but a lot, a lot of Shakespeare is, uh, you know, a lot of it is is like the sort of comedy, uh, the music hall, end of the pier, or whatever, and it's the, you know, or or what people say is. This this kind of brand new thing of um, mm. Fleabag talking to camera, you know. I mean, Richard the Third is basically talking to camera the whole way through. They're that called plan.
1: soliloquies, Dave. Yeah, I know, I know they are. <laughs> fun, but, fun, um, fun to write the word soliloquy. A good Scrabble word. Can you have it in soliloquy? Is it seven or uh, eight yes, letters? Yes, only
0: one, only one Q. So oh, blimey! You, you
1: are winning at life if you put soliloquy down on Scrabble. <laughs> you can take the there. rest of the year off. I mean, mm-hmm. that is. Yeah. You you'll know,
0: need a you'll need a couple of letters in place really because it's a lot more than seven letters there. But let's not get into the oh, minutiae okay. of Scrabble at this point. No, no, let's uh, not. Let's not. But I I think yes the uh, you know Twelfth Night is a and all, all's well that ends well. Love's Labour's Lost. They all have these kind of oh but I thought you were this twin. No, no, ah, you are supposed to be a woman. No, I'm a man. Ah, I'm, I, well
1: you know, for me the, it's Midsummer Night's Dream and the love potions. It's like yeah. okay, use a love potion <laughs> once. If you must. Use it again, really. Love potion me twice. Yeah, (laughs) it's not good. You're on a very yeah. squeaky chair, by the way. I though, am. Dave.
0: Sorry, I just realised that. Just as I just going to reach my water. I thought, no oh, it's I'm fine. squeaking. By the I way, shall... listeners,
1: that's what that's sque- that's what that noise is. It's Dave's squeaky chair.
0: Yeah, I'm actually. Uh, we're recording from uh, my bedroom uh, this evening because uh, this afternoon because uh, all the other all the other rooms have got other Zoom meetings, children in school or uh, mm. other parents in uh, meetings. So uh, yeah, I'm i've been sent to the bedroom
1: you've been this. sent to your room sent okay to the squeaky chair number 20 exercise take the building blocks of a movie you dislike how do you <laughs> rearrange them into what you do like blimey mm. that that feels like a lot That's of hard done. work i mean i don't
0: see enough movies anymore i'm afraid so if i do dislike a movie the last thing i want to do is go back to it uh but yeah i, I kind of I, I take the point and Although, again, you know, I mean, editing is such a Im- hugely important part of a, a movie and, you know, putting, putting things in the right place and the wrong way, mm. place. But, I mean, actually, that's something maybe that you could tell us from the, you know, 18 or so um, yeah. episodes of uh, Bluestone that you did, how much, uh, how much rearranging of what you thought was the script uh, did you have, when, uh, sort of moving scenes well, around wait, actually, and things
1: like that? Finally, because you don't have the luxury of shooting too much, you do kind of have to commit to it. But you don't always quite shuffle the scenes in the order you expect. Uh, so, um, but most because I've done quite a lot of studio sitcom as well, there just isn't the, you just don't have the capacity to to switch it around very much. Um, but in terms of, I think it is a useful exercise to watch a sitcom that you don't like, or to try a sitcom, and if you didn't like it, just to go, well, why didn't I like it? Um, and it may be taste, I watched a really interesting, I thought I watched the first episode of Dead to Me on Netflix. Um, and I thought, uh, wow, this is really good. Um, I This looks really interesting and I don't particularly want to watch it um, because I think I know where this is going. And I think it will be really interesting getting there, but I didn't, I'm don't. i not really in the mood for that at the moment. Um, but some really fiery, great comedy, dark, about Bereavement and loss as well. Um, so anyway, really good. But I just thought, and in a way, I, how would I rearrange it to something that I do like? Well, they've they've executed very well what they wanted to do. I just happen to not like it. But there are other things where you think, well, that that really didn't work. Or um, yeah.
0: I yes, I suppose <clears throat> uh, tr- trying to sort of translate this from uh, a, a movie uh, into to a, a sitcom um i i suppose that you sort of think well if that character if i'd liked if i was more invested in that character i don't have to like them but if i was more mm. kind of interested in how that character uh yeah. would matter i mean actually an interesting one i think is the the, the shows of uh amy sherman paladino we talked a little bit about oh yeah uh, <clears throat> oh
1: um, i need to get back mrs. to Maisel. um yeah mrs Maisel uh, yeah
0: and the Gilmore Girls, and I was thinking about how uh, what you were saying about you kind of drifted away from uh, yeah. uh, series three, and there there are kind of bits of uh, periods in the Gilmore Girls, which is massively long—seven seasons, forty-eight minutes episodes, plus another four uh, mm. uh, feature-length episodes after that. And there are there are long sections where these shows kind of drift a bit. Um, mm. and if you're not careful you kind of uh, you, you, you may drift away from it but actually there is that what what happens is you get payoffs at the end yeah. and uh you the, I can't think of anyone else really at the moment who where I sort of watch a show and I kind of I, I go to bed worrying about these people in the same way that I worry about my own family you know oh uh, wow and I think that's uh that, that I've so invested in them don't, don't tell your kids that <laughs> um, but they are such uh, the 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 series in three. I exactly get what you're saying. It drifts yeah. and drifts. But then the last two yeah. endings of the
1: last two endings. Also, are yeah, just,
0: you know, great. Hit you so hard. Oh, good. Wor- well, it was I worth shall. It.
1: I shall go. That it's just yeah. for example. And again, it is uh, the bit that I just go. So this amazingly successful nasty piece of work comedian. Uh, uh, that does that music hall, vulgar music hall character, insists that Susie becomes her agent. And you just go, no. And she just persists, but she's got no track record. And you just think, no, I don't believe that. And she keeps sort of phoning up and saying, how are you getting on? How is this and that? You just think, just no, sorry, don't believe that. Um, So... Yeah,
0: I, I I think that's n- not an unreasonable thing to say. I'm only uh,
1: hoping that there's. I mean, I, I thought, oh, maybe the whole thing is just a a, a long slow burn wind up or something, but well, the
0: payoff f- to it is it sort of makes up for that. Really. Okay, I great. <laughs> well, we shall say no more. Are, you are right. Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, but, that's all I wanted to hear. It, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. Number twenty two. Penult- penultimate episode. Number twenty two. Uh, Twenty one, actually. Twenty one. Uh, excuse the American, but you gotta identify with your situation. Stroked characters can't just write cool in inverted commas. What would make you
1: act that way? Well, oh, so, that's interesting. I mean, that's overlapping with if you were your say, character in the situation, how would you feel? Yeah. It yeah. feels that there's a there. Are, people, the scripts that we've read, dialogue these days is pretty good. Um. And very rarely do people write cartoonishly bad dialogue or dialogue that feels like it was hack even in 1976. Um, but actually quite often there was a problem that people just say cool things and sitcom smart things with the rhythm of a joke. And you just think a major thing has just happened and you've just sort of made a slide sort of James Bond joke about it. Uh, you've sort of undermined the reality that you've worked quite hard to create. Yeah, is that fair? Yeah, I think so, <laughs>
0: and I think it comes back to uh, the very difficult thing that we talked about uh, about you know when you're writing jokes, uh, your joke either has to uh, tell help uh, put move the story on uh, or. Uh, be a joke about character or both of those things mm. uh, and if it's neither of those things then it's just a joke that's in there uh for its own sake really um and so you know as you say as, as you're saying you can't just you, you 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 want that joke to to represent that character. Again, Modern Family, which, you know, is kind of winding down now. We're coming to the end of watching the last series, and, you know, uh, as you pointed out, Modern Family, it's gone from being the absolutely perfect Sitcom to one that is just very very funny, yeah. uh, which is a you yeah. know, uh two hundred and twenty. It's gone yes, it's gone from sublime to merely excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even now, watching it and sort of seeing the join a little bit, and uh, yeah. you still, you know, there is not a single joke in that show that is not either moving the story on or about the character or yeah. both. You know, they really are. And I I think that's what I would say that this means mostly, identifying with the characters. The characters are just saying things in the way that those characters say. If they say something that's not them, you spot it and
1: it stands out. that, That kind of feeds in, therefore, to our final one, number 22, which is what's the essence of your story? Most economical telling of it. If you know that, you can build out from there. And so just go, just wrapping it up in a bit of a bow, the Goldman Simpson bursary, 30 pages. Do not send them 31 pages. Do not send them 40 pages in an apology. Send them send them 29, 30 pages. You don't really have time to make jokes that have no bearing on anything. Um, you don't, you know, 30 pages is not many. And so you want to get your story up and running, and you want to do brilliant, brilliant jokes. But, the, you know, but you probably don't have the luxury of all these extra uh, routines. I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. But I just think boiling your story down, what is the essence of the story? And tell it as economically as you can. Because time oh. and again, you just get drifting scripts. 15 pages in, you think, Ah, oh, I now see what the characters are trying to do. And then they do it. And then you page 25, the story is over. And you've got five minutes of people standing around afterwards reflecting and then maybe even setting up the next episode, which I don't think you should do. So, um, you know, you, you need that rock-solid story, uh, which is the essence. You know, how does this story represent the essence of the story? And I
0: know uh, I keep coming back to Galton and Simpson for, for obvious reasons, but to, uh, to take a show like uh, Hancock... Hancock's half hour, uh, which may seem a bit dated now, but if you look at the original, uh, or if you listen to the original radio scripts of Hancock, there are, there are uh, there's Hancock and there are there are three main characters, um, and uh, played by Bill Kerr, Sid James, Kenneth Williams, and then. There's three main characters, and then there's two, and then there's one. And you know, yeah. by the time you get to the last series of Hancock, which is the one that everybody remembers with the really famous episodes, uh, the blood donor, the radio ham. It's just Hancock, and uh, the the next show that they write after that is Steptoe and the Son. It's just dad and son and rag and bone trade in their place and there's very very few extra characters uh, Mm. in that show and it's that you know so that's the if you want to see economic uh storytelling then you know yeah accept that it's 40 50 60 years old but you know watch watch a scotland simpson show
1: and you'll see it Absolutely. So that's our Pixar list. I think that's the end of the show. We are way over length, Dave, but yeah. <laughs> um, jo- if you want yet more of our voices, join us on Patreon, Google Sitcom Geeks, Patreon and join us uh, there. You can also go to BCG Pro and you can get five quid off uh, the um, uh, their membership scheme and there's loads of industry stuff and extra extra content and they are very kind enough that they actually host this podcast on their servers and faithfully put it up every fortnight. Um, and so we're grateful for that. They're also running the BCG Pro Talent Awards, the yellow door script thing. There's also the sitcom mission and the Golden Simpson bursary. Hopefully we've given you plenty of food for thought uh, for your scripts, sketches, and everything else. Um, okay. I think that wraps it up. Thanks, Dave. I think so, thank you, James. And we'll speak to you next time. Cheerio. A lot. Bye.